0: Before we get started, I want to thank Leffler Randall for supporting our podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Domino's new podcast, Design Time, where we explore spaces and places with meaning. I'm your host, Jessica Ram Perez, Domino's editor at large. Each week, join me along with creative visionaries who will share their journey to designing spaces that move you. We'll explore the emotional side of design, from the ritual of gathering to a mood-boosting paint trick to the renovation tips that will inspire your next project. Home is the best place to start exploring personal style. How do you shape your world from the inside out? Let's discover now on Design Time. Ellen Bennett likes to speak in mantras. As CEO and founder of Headley & Bennett, the apron and kitchen accessories company, Ellen has an incredibly inspiring path to success. Her new book, Dream First, details later, how to quit overthinking and make it happen, is for all the entrepreneurs out there who have dared to dream. It's a new take on a business book, crafted with the tone of a friend giving you a pep talk. And it's packed with sage advice, vibrant and graphic illustrations, and a frank and honest account of her own journey. Among other things, Ellen is a talented chef, passionate organizer, and during the pandemic, led Headley and Bennett to sell and donate over a million masks to date. You always learn something when you talk to Ellen and her passions go deep. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Ellen with all of you. Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. Where are you? Are you in your office? You home?
1: I'm home actually. I'm in LA. Uh, half the time, my home is my office these days. So I suppose I'm sort of at my office at home.
0: <laughs> we did an Insta Live in your house, but you were completely in the throes of the mask initiative, had gotten off the ground, and you were bouncing between your office warehouse and home. And, you know, I was just so blown away by what you were able to do so quickly.
1: Oh, that was a wild time. But we actually, to date, have made a million masks and donated half a million masks through our Wake Up and Fight mask initiative. Yeah, it was nuts. It was totally crazy.
0: Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. I want to talk about how the business has evolved. I want to talk about how the business started. But first, you have a book coming out. Yes. Congratulations. That is such an accomplishment. But I think there's a lot of really interesting parallels in the book and your career. Tell me a bit about the book and what you're really trying to say.
1: The title, in a way, says a lot of it. It's called Dream First, Details Later. And I think so many of the leaps that I've made in life have been very dream first, details later moments that have led me to discovering things I never even knew were possible. And so I really want people to feel empowered to just start, to begin, to not think that they have to have every single thing sorted out before they can try something or that they need to raise huge amounts of money or have investors or have an MBA. There's so many things that I didn't have when I started my company that I had to focus on what I did have or else it just was like a a cup that was completely empty. So I scrounged up what I had and I built my business and and that is the desire behind this book.
0: I mean the book is kind of divided into these mantras. You are able to articulate your path so well and with such spirit and, and fearlessness and fun. And I think the book does that really well, where it is divided into these mantras of how to get started, really empowering people not to be afraid and to trust themselves. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Every chapter title is, as you said, almost a it's almost a pep talk in its own right so you know there's crash and learn decide and do humble enthusiasm keep going keep creating They're not bumps in the road. They are the road. And a lot of times when you read an entrepreneurial book or a business book, it's like, first you do this and then you do this and then this happens and then your company grows and then you exit and it gets sold for a lot of money. And you feel like a complete and utter failure if your life and your journey doesn't look like that. And so the entire story, it's really like a memoir meets a business book, is a very windy journey and showing that the ups and the downs and the ebbs and the flows and the colorfulness of this book is really the way that business is. And it's not black and white. Nothing is black and white. And if you are comfortable with that, you are a little more comfortable with yourself every day because being an entrepreneur is really about, you know, being comfortable with the uncomfortable. All the time.
0: What do you think has given you that fearlessness? There's a confidence level, a fun confidence, I will say, Um, (laughs) but a confidence and a bravado.
1: I think a lot of it does have to do with just how many times I've tried and failed and then gotten back up again, and then at some point succeeded. And those can be little moments in your life, or they can be big moments. But recognizing that you have the ability to get back up again and then you're still standing if you use that as as like ammunition to propel yourself forward you're that much stronger i also you know was raised by a single mexican mama who didn't have a lot of resources and still made things work and happen for me and it, i think about that and i'm like man i have to make something out of this and i'm going to push forward. So don't compare yourself to other people. Think about what you have and not what you don't have. And then just try things. And when you try things and you learn, you get back up and you're that much smarter. And that creates grit and stamina and resilience. And we all have it. It's just how willing are you to tap into it or not?
0: You moved to Mexico City, right? At 19 years old.
1: Yeah. I stayed for four and a half years. I said I would go for a month or two. I got there. I absolutely fell in love with Mexico. I had always gone since I was a little girl visiting my my abuelita, but I had never gone to Mexico City. I went to Tampico, which is where she was from, and I decided to go to Mexico City. I didn't exactly fit in in LA. All of my friends were becoming actresses or models, or they were going off to college, and I was this funny kid that loved food and loved to be in the kitchen eating and poking at things all day long. And, uh, I was just like, all right, I'm going to just go for a month or two. And when I got there, I was like, Oh, okay. This is awesome. I'm not, I'm not different. I'm actually just Latin. (laughs) I'm Mexican. This is amazing. Like people love color and they're alive here and the city is full of, enthusiasm. And I I loved it. And so I went to culinary school there. I got a million jobs. I had to find my way in the world. And let me tell you, I learned how to make something out of nothing there. And it was scary as hell.
0: One of my favorite stories is that you were actually on the teleprompter reading the lotto numbers in Spanish.
1: Oh my gosh, I vividly remember the first time I showed you my (laughs) my lottery announcement. (laughs) We were dying. Dying.
0: Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Oh
1: yes. And but you know, when you are 20 something and you are trying to make it in the world, you find these opportunities and you say yes. And so I did all these wild and funny jobs. But I look back at that and I'm incredibly grateful for it because it taught me how to talk to all kinds of people. It taught me how to show up. It taught me how to deliver and skills that I to this day still apply in, in my company uh, that I didn't even realize I was learning back then. So it's good to just expose yourself to as many things that you can when you're when you're learning and you're growing and not worry so much about, well, am I making so much money? It's like, are you getting the best experience possible? Don't worry about dollars just yet. Worry about the things you're learning.
0: How do you kind of recommend people push themselves out of their comfort zones, whether they're in a job or they have an idea and they don't know how to act on it? How would you advise people to kind of just propel, as you said, start before you stop?
1: So there's a lot of different ways to do that, but I find that if you can carve out some time in your life, in your world, stick it on your schedule, stick it on your calendar, just make time for the thing that you want to make time for. And when you say, oh, I don't have time for that, that's like actually a complete lie that you're telling yourself. So if you want to, let's just say, learn how to, I don't know, play the piano, you find an hour in your day, you don't have money for classes. Okay. Well then you go online and watch free YouTube videos. You don't, you don't have the internet go to the library. You don't have a library near you. We'll go to a school. Like there are so many things that are available to us for free. Out in the world now, it's wild. You have to make the time to find the thing that will help you get that much closer. And I'm a big believer in doing internships or working for somebody that you can shadow under and watch how they're doing it. Once you actually begin and go down this path of discovery, you'll sometimes discover that you didn't actually like the thing you thought you would love. And that's okay too. And that is, that's why it's just like a windy path. It doesn't need to be perfect.
0: Team Domino is all about pieces that feel intentional and special. Like the items we collect for our homes, we put a lot of thought into what we wear and how we pair things. Now that we're more on the go, we're craving beautiful, functional pieces for all the big events to come. Leffler Randall has accessories you want to wear on repeat for the return of weddings, beach parties, dinners, and long weekends away. Their selection of pleated heels and flats, clutches, jewelry, and hair accessories are are all designed with that magic combo of comfort, quality, and creativity in mind. Plus, the pieces are crafted with such care for your most memorable days ahead. I've never been more excited to get together with friends and family and have an excuse to dress up. Shop event-ready shoes, bags, and more on lofflerrandall.com or at their first-ever retail store in downtown New York City. What led you to specifically design? Because your brand is obviously so much about function and cooking and being in the kitchen and apparel, but it is at its core, very design driven. Where did that come from for you?
1: I think a lot of it came from Mexico, especially when I was little and going to my friends' houses that were very simple homes but the outsides were turquoise and the bathrooms were yellow and our neighbor's little tortilla stand on the corner was hot pink and it was just like everything was alive and and a lot of people used really beautiful hand-painted letters on everything, right? In Mexico, everything is that way. So you think about those things and it's simple, it's everyday life in Mexico, but it's thoughtful and it looks really nice and it's beautiful and it's colorful. And and it just is functional. And I liked the way it made me feel. And so when I began Hadley and Bennett, it was, to your point, very much function? And how does it work? And how does it look? And that was the side of me that was, you know, the chef and they needed everything to be in its right place. And then then this other side of me just wanted it to feel a certain way to make you feel inspired and to feel happy and to feel like you could do it a sort of burst of positivity in whatever it is that you were trying to do. So when people wear Headley and Bennett aprons, you slip it over your head and you're like, all right, I'm ready for action. Like, let's go do this.
0: How have you evolved the business or the design of your products to prioritize what home cooks need versus what restaurant chefs need? Or is it the same thing to you?
1: It's honestly definitely been a new way to approach things where forever my comfort zone in its own weird way, because there's nothing comfortable about a professional kitchen, but my comfort zone was chefs and professionals. And now... It's not just about the function. It's about how it looks, how it drapes, how it feels, how it hangs in a kitchen. Where does it hang in a kitchen? And so I've really had to put on a different lens. But I love that I get one foot in both worlds because that's where the form, function, and design parts come together. I mean, you've, you've seen me nerd out in my kitchen over my drawers and my cabinets, and there's elements that come from... Pro land, and then there's elements that come from the container store. <laughs> and so you have like a smash up.
0: You are having fun in your kitchen. You can tell. <laughs> like <laughs> that is your happy place and you want it to function as best as it possibly can.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and that is kind of how we've embedded it into Headley and Pennant. And now we're really looking at it towards the future where we're going after the home kitchen so much more deeply than we ever have before,
0: but not losing sight of what we built behind us. I think that in its essence is also what the book's about. Follow your passion, follow your expertise, trust that piece, because if you really do that, then you are going to be authentic. And that really shows in your product.
1: The world needs more genuineness and individual perspectives not just another company that looks like another company find what do you individually bring to this world that is different and then do that
0: let's talk about the design of your own home so when did you do that and what was that renovation like
1: So we designed our house close to seven years ago. We had a big fire and had to tear it down and rebuild the entire house. And my husband, Casey had studied architecture and he took it upon himself, sketched out the house on SketchUp and hired a draftsman and had the house built to spec based on his drawings. And so he tackled the outside, I tackled the inside and together we, we've made it happen. And it's, packed with lots of color, as I mentioned. But then there's also some elements that are just very timeless and modern. It's like black and white and oak wood and simple straight lines. And then you get these hits where there's doors that are sliding and they are orange and pinkish coral and, and a big yellow stove and blue heath tile. And, and those little pops make you smile and make you feel a little bit happier. And and that's what I like just a
0: little pop of joy in the day. What pops of joy do you think people should think about when they're renovating their place? Like you clearly prioritized the heath tile, which was like a splurge and definitely a moment in your kitchen. But how do you advise people to kind of think about that?
1: Not everybody wants to be super colorful, but you can actually bring color to your home without being aggressively colorful. And the way I think about that are uh, accents like plants, I find are extraordinarily colorful. So if you put a a tree or a little fern or something on your tables or on your counter, your house is going to look happier and nicer and not so um, sterile. If you throw a plant in there, because it gives it some life, some, it brings, it brings a little bit of sparkle into the mix and it's still totally a neutral tone in a way, right? It kind of like blends in with your environment. So I love plants for that purpose. Snake plants are an amazing interior plant, fiddle figs, which we've seen eight gajillion times on Instagram. We have like a funny little money tree I love, and we happen to have an extremely colorful rug, which... If you go with a muted couch, etc., a very bright rug is also very cool. We have a crazy Moroccan rug in our little den. And it's awesome because everything in the room is... Pretty neutral. It's like vanilla, and the walls are white, and the bookshelves are white. But the carpet—nothing in your
0: life is (laughs) nothing in your life is vanilla, Alan. Come on.
1: All right, fair, fair, fair. Well, there's there's (laughs) the walls are white. We'll leave it there. (laughs) But
0: the rug pops. You raise a good point because the framework and and the shell of your house is quite neutral, but then you have these pops of color, whether it's. Your rug or pillows on a more neutral sofa or a, an accent wall in your kitchen done in a really poppy tile, there are these moments. And just because you love color doesn't mean you need to commit to it in like an all over fashion is like you give it these moments like you have a bright yellow range in your kitchen. You know, you have Bertazzoni, right? A Bertazzoni yeah. range yeah. that's bright yellow and it's so fun, but in an otherwise pretty white kitchen. And the other piece, which I know because you collect as well, is dinnerware, like dinnerware being a really fun way to play with color
1: hundred percent. And you can get so creative with that stuff. Like I have these beautiful um, glasses from Estelle. She's like an amazing entrepreneur. I'm sure you've seen her stuff all, all over Instagram. It's like sort of uh, like jewel toned glassware. And I have some in yellow, but it's not yellow. It's like gold. And so you put that on the table. And then I put that with, you know, I have some like O Pandolfi plates and bowls that are bright blue. But then I also have black flatware with little brass knobs on it. And so it's just layers.
0: What colors are you feeling right now?
1: As I look down at my outfit, I've got a lot of um, clay pink, like a rusty pink with white. And I just got a really pretty set of deep canary yellow linen pillows with some stitching across them. And we have a navy couch and they just like leap off that couch very brightly. It's very fun.
0: I want to go back to organizing for a second, but I'd love just high level takeaway. What are some hard and fast either, I don't want to say rules, but ways to approach organizing from you who is an expert Ways to approach organizing that make it personal, but also make it kind of manageable. Like I think those are the two things. You need systems that are manageable and that you can maintain, but also if it doesn't feel personal, then it's really not going to be successful.
1: Right, because you can't upkeep it because you're just trying to be like somebody else or some Instagram post you saw. So I think that's really important. You have to find what works for you. Just because it looks good doesn't mean that it functions. So for me, I'm pretty keen on these chalk ink erase markers that I write on everything. So instead of getting the perfect sticker with the perfect cursive white letters um, that say seeds on the side or nuts, right? That you buy on the internet, get a chalk ink erase marker and use that with your own handwriting to label everything. And I love labeling because it is the way in a professional kitchen, everything is labeled and everything is dated because that way you know exactly what you're looking at. And Almost always the containers we use are clear. So you can see how much of that product is left over. And if it's halfway down, you know that it's time to buy another bag of beans and you get to refill it. And so taking things out of their box and putting them in clear containers is a sure way to keep your stuff pretty organized. Think about what do you absolutely need? Like everything you need and nothing you don't you don't have to have 19 spatulas. You really just need one or two. And getting rid of those things and letting them go in the Marie Kondo way, like if it doesn't bring you joy anymore or function in my case, I'm going to yell at you about function, not joy. I'm going to say, if you're not using it, get rid of it. And it's therapeutic. And I don't have a big kitchen either. So every single piece of whatever is that is in my drawer, it's taken up real estate. So if you're using it, great. If you don't use it and haven't used it for, for six to 12 months and, or you only use it like once every three years, chances are you're going to be okay with getting rid of it and you won't even notice. So don't be afraid to let things go. Label everything. Put stuff into containers. One day when Hedley and Bennett launches, it's great organizational tool system. You use our stuff. But for now, I'm a big believer in deli cups. And Cambro containers. Mm-hmm. Cambro is a company that makes stuff for professional kitchens. So they're just big sort of square boxes that you can use in your pantry.
0: So I love using those. Will you just answer my next question without me even asking you, which is, outside of a Headley and Bennett designed, you know, organizing collection, what is the one vessel that people should use?
1: Big fan of deli cups. Those are the cups you get when you order, you know, take out, and they come in a, in a plastic cup and they have a lid and every lid is the same size. Those are really quite brilliant. You stack them and you have three different sizes right next to each other. So I love those for the pantry and you can write on them and you can freeze things in them and they stretch out and it's great for, for freezer storage. And I love a good Mason jar, but I get one size and one size only because then we run into the dilemma of how many different Mason jar lids you have and where's the lid for the one you need. So I just get the wide mouth. Um, it's about like one or two cups, the size of one or two cups and wide mouth top. And that's it. It's, I use it for So many things from smoothies to storing frozen mangoes in the freezer. Um, And between the three of those vessels, I'm pretty covered.
0: What are some ideas for people making the most of their budget when they're approaching a renovation? And what materials do you think are those great workhorses who can really make the most of your budget?
1: Wood is phenomenal. It's like you can use that and incorporate it into your home to give it some life and not have it feel so sterile or feel like a cookie cutter home. So we incorporated a lot of white oak in subtle ways that just made the house feel more thoughtful. And I, like an example is every single of one of our windows in the house was lined with white oak on the inside. So it's just a border of wood only within the window. And it makes Ooh, it so feel, nice. yeah, like it's framed. Like every time you look out the window, you're looking at a picture almost. It's really subtle, but it matches the floor and it it ties everything together really nicely. So little moments of wood, I think are beautiful. And it's similar to when you put like a baseboard down, you know, it just kind of like marks the wall. This marks the window. It frames the window really nicely. It's not super expensive to do so. Definitely recommend that uh, the other places where we were able to sort of save money, but add design was in paint by having little tiny moments where we, again, didn't really use that much. But the front door to our house is like a bright Kelly green and the rest of the house is a very dark gray, gray blue. And so, it again, it makes the outside of the house really pop and then we put two gigantic cactuses right by the door, one on each side in two huge pots. And they've been there forever. We've had them for like literally four years now, and they're huge and beautiful. But it makes the entrance feel grand without having some insane door that costs us a million dollars. So it just framed the door. So having some really nice plants right at your front door that are like a almost an architectural moment can take something from being very flat and boring to alive and and colorful that little it's a pop of color and even if you don't like color like you can't not like plants and then lastly i'll just say think about not just what is looking cool and interesting today but think about things that are timeless and that are going to be around for a long time. So the core of the house is built on these timeless elements. And the windows are very simple, black steel windows. Everything is very simple. And we've been in the house now for eight years and it still looks good it doesn't feel like oh now it's dated now it's like from the 90s or it's from the early 2000s so try to go for things that will look good today and in 10 or 20 years because the value of your house will just stay there versus getting a little too cool with what's cool today versus forever
0: In challenging times, we lean on the things that support us, uplift us, and make us happy. In this signature franchise, Domino editors ask our guests, quickfire style, about the 10 things that are making them happy, from the books that inspire them, to the personal items that tell their story, to the places they love to eat, travel, and feed their soul. I want to move through our 10 things that make me happy because there's a bunch of things I want to touch on. And I want to give us time to really get into that. But first, I just wanted to ask, who are some other entrepreneurs whose career has really inspired you?
1: I really love Charles and Ray Ames. Everything about how they built their life and built their adventures and built their everything. is just, it's beautiful. And I love that Ray was just as front and center as Charles and they were two holes that came together and made 10. And I love that about them. And I think about my husband and I very much in in that way of just like, you've got lots of ideas and I've got lots of ideas and together we're going to make that that many more ideas. And so they've always been huge inspirations for me and also they are about as timeless as they get. Think about anything Ames is still awesome, maybe even more awesome today than when they first started it and that is good design to me. It lives through the years. It doesn't have an end date or an expiration. Those
0: are design heroes, right? I think of them as total
1: entrepreneurs. I really do. I think they're like a smash up. But if I thought about really cool entrepreneurs that I look up to it's people like Martha Stewart and Oprah it's people that like carved these wild journeys for themselves out of nothing and started later in their career and I just love the fact that Martha has been around forever but she also had an entire career in the stock market before she even began doing this, like she started at 40 something. And so many people are like, Oh, what am I going to do with my life? I'm only, you know, it's all gone away. And I'm like 35. And it's like, what are you talking about? Every day you wake up is a new opportunity. So what are you going to do with it today? And, and Martha, damn, she is inspiring to people because she just keeps showing up and evolving and never stops changing. Like she just keeps growing. And it's, it's incredible, really it's one thing to become successful. It's another thing to maintain it, to evolve it and to continue it, to propel it forward because things don't just live in life. Like you have to keep pouring energy and creativity and and your own
0: power into it to make it keep growing. It's like a plant. We touched on colors, colors you're loving. Do you have a favorite color?
1: it's yellow. I got a wedding dress that was yellow. My stove is yellow. Half my book is yellow. Yeah, yellow. I love that it makes people smile, even if they don't like color. I love that it brightens people's day. It's the sun. It's just, it's energy.
0: Your brand is so much about material and materiality and materials that really function. Do you have a favorite material or texture? And it can be a textile or it can be something for your home. But what is that for you?
1: I love a good duck canvas, like in a 10 ounce. And it's just a fabric that if you think about it is timeless. It's been around forever. It's a workhorse. And it ha- it can take so many shapes and forms from um, a tote bag to a sail, a sail mast to uh an apron like it just it can evolve and it shifts but it's still at its core durable and trustworthy and it's not going to fail you it's just it it works and it gets softer and nicer over time i love things that just evolve and and look nicer after a lot of beatings so canvas is really it's a good one
0: what city And we can talk about, so what city can you not wait to return to or is really on your hit list? And then restaurant and or hotel. But from you, I really do want to know restaurant, restaurant you're missing.
1: I would say I am dying to go to Italy. I just want to go to every farmer's market. I want to explore everything. And I also really want to go to Israel. So those are two places that are very much on the top of my hit list big time. Oh, and India. Oh my God. Love India. My favorite restaurant that I'm dying to go back to, I would say two spots. One, Via Carota in New York. Like, oh, can't wait to go back there. And then two, Barbudo. Love Barbudo so much. And now it's got a different location, but I don't know if they're open yet. So yeah, definitely there. And then Also, I'll just say selfishly, I'd love to go back to Mexico City and eat tacos from this one place called El Khalifa that I'm obsessed with. So that's my Mexico location and then two New York locations. And in L.A., fortunately, almost everything has opened back up. So I've been lucky to get to go to a bunch of places I hadn't been to. I just went to Felix on Saturday and had like the greatest meal ever ever. My goodness, it was so incredible. Cacio Pepe is like insanity.
0: Are you a hotel person? Is there a hotel that whose design experience, hospitality experience you just love or is really magical? I mean, I know one place that's special to you because we did <laughs> publish your wedding. Yes. And that was at the Condessa yeah, DF. yeah. Is that the spot?
1: I would say so because it has like a warm place in my heart. But I got to be honest with you. I always try and stay with friends when I'm traveling, especially when I go to New York, because I like to feel when I come home, someone's like, how was your day? Can I make you something?
0: Favorite book that provides inspiration can be a novel or any type of book, film or TV show.
1: I just finished Untamed by Glennon Doyle and it was so good. I just finished it yesterday and I started it the same day. And I was just like an addict with the book. It was so good. So I loved that one. Very inspiring. Very much just like screw it. Just do it. It's very dream first details later. So love that. And then I also, there's a show on Netflix called Abstract. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But it it like follows the journeys of really eclectic artists in how they take something out of nothing and make and create things. And it's fascinating. You're just like, oh, my God. It's so cool. It's very colorful. I love it. And... Then TV that I'm watching, I mean, I'm an all-in kind of a gal. So if I read a book, I read the entire thing from start to finish. If I watch a show, I watch the entire show and my husband's like, oh my God, it's five in the morning. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I got to get to the end. I just binge watched all of Sex Education in one sitting, which was a little absurd.
0: All in. I love that. Favorite plant or flower? And I know you're you're total plant mama, but what are you loving?
1: I have a little citrus grove garden in my backyard on the lower level now that we did through COVID. So we are in love with our citrus tree growth. So we have a, like a tangerine, a bear limes, a Valencia orange, caracara orange, Meyer lemon, guava tree, and a passion fruit tree, all in this little patch. And they're all booming and growing and there's bees everywhere. And the chickens are pooping all over the place. And it's really just this little mini farm ecosystem that I love.
0: So you p- planted all of those in COVID? Yes, yes. And they're doing well. They're thriving.
1: They're thriving. I know you love a good tip. If you put salmon fish oil, there's a kind that you get from like Amazon. If you pour it on your plants, they grow with such enthusiasm. It is wild. It's like the best fertilizer you could ever use for your plants. And all of our citrus trees and everything are just like, they're on steroids right now because we've given it this Fish fertilizer.
0: Favorite vintage source or home-focused retail?
1: I really like First Dibs online. Great spot to find just like things that were expensive that are a little less expensive when you find them on there. I love A Plus R in LA. Beautiful design store that has everything from like furniture to desks to lamps. Um, and then I love the Rose Bowl flea market. You never know what you're gonna find, but it's an adventure. And you're in for a treat and you get to hunt around and rummage.
0: What are you looking for when you're out hunting for vintage? What are you into?
1: I love looking for, for pillows, for side tables, for lamps. Our tables next to our bed are both from the Rose Bowl Flea Market. And they have a lot of good mid-century style things that are just quite nice.
0: Another place with great vintage, Mexico City. Oh,
1: Totally. So much. Incredible. Unbelievable.
0: Incredible. Yeah.
1: Talk about like Rose Bowl flea market times (laughs) 8,000 everywhere you look.
0: (laughs) It's incredible. It really, really is. Favorite way to unwind?
1: Definitely into sitting in the tub, playing music or reading a book, which I clearly love to do. And honestly, even without the tub, reading in general. Because I'm so active and constantly going in all directions and typically multitasking to a fault and (laughs) trying to do way too many things, when I'm reading a book, that's all I'm doing. It's like when I'm cooking, all I'm doing is cooking. And that's really good for me. And when you can put your phone down, like unwinding is not scrolling through Instagram. Like don't let anybody get fooled there. You got to do something that you know, stretches your muscles and mind in other ways. So reading, bathtub, or cooking.
0: Is there an iconic space that you go back to? I mean, whether it's the Eameses or that you go back to as from a design perspective that you just think of as incredible or maybe a place you want to go visit?
1: This is going to sound funny, but like if Ellsworth Kelly made a home, I feel like it'd probably be Barragon. And so it's somewhere between that the pretend world of Ellsworth Kelly meets any Baragon property anywhere. It's just color is the core and then the building is the side part. It's like the appetizer. <laughs> but but the color, the way that they think about color, like it's just, I love it. It's color first and then everything else, all the other details later.
0: I mean, now that you say Baragon, of course, I see that influence in your own home for sure.
1: Yeah, Deeply.
0: These kind of blocks of color and the geometry of it makes perfect sense. We know you have a lot that's next, but what can you talk about? You've had such an incredible year and the way you've embraced your community and really and and grown your business and, and been so strong and given back in such incredible ways. How has the last year made you reevaluate or rethink the business and the success of that? And how has your thinking kind of changed?
1: I think there's a lot of just gratitude for for everything, for all of it. It's Last year was a reminder to all of us that everything could go away as quickly as it came. And to just be really aware of what matters and to put effort towards those things. And so there were so many things that as an organization, as a business, we stopped doing and focused our effort a lot more acutely versus all over the place. And I, I love that about last year, even though it was the hardest year in all of our lives, it was the most focusing and grounding year, I think, in all of our lives. And we all are so much stronger because of it. And we've grown so much because of it. So I am grateful for all of that. And as I head into the future, it's a little bit of like reminding myself of all of these mantras and beliefs that I have to not get caught up in the details and to continue to dream because when you've dreamed for a long time and you've established yourself, sometimes the dreaming becomes secondary and you start worrying about the day-to-day and the minutiae of stuff. And so it's just, I I have to actually remind myself like, hey, you you can dream, you can dream bigger. What do you want to do? How do you want to do that? What's your next big dream?
0: Congratulations. I can't wait for everyone to read the book. Dream First. So inspiring, Ellen. Details later. Check it out. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Jessica.
0: Design Time is produced by Team Domino, with special thanks to Alex Redgrave, Linda Denahan, Aaron Cunningham, Madeline Montoya, Erica Maltz, Kay Wang, Britt Ashcraft, and Ali Elquiza. Our theme music is by the talented Alex Weinstein. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you guys next week right here on Design Time.